Awesome. Thank you, Luke, for reading that absurdly long passage. So big. I had to like cut out some of the stuff that's normally on the first page. I'm going to come a little closer. Um, if I spit on you, Jack, I'm really sorry. I'm going to try not to. Yes, so if it's your first time, my name is Willis Weatherford. I'm the campus minister with RUF. And, okay, Van, these ones are the ones that are, like, not flipped, okay? I'm going to separate them, just on this other band. Yeah, okay, um, RUF is a Christian ministry on campus. We're here for Christians and non-Christians to help you figure out what it means to follow Jesus while you're on campus. And we're glad you're here. Uh, if it's your first time especially, thanks for braving the cold, braving unfamiliar people, and being here. Um, I hope that you feel welcome, and you are welcome, uh, because Jesus is the one who calls us here. This is about Jesus, not about popularity or finding new friends, although we hope you do that. It's about Jesus. And uh, before I go any further, because I'm going to forget, um, I brought some extra insulation, and I was like, what contest am I going to do to see who gets the insulation? So we've got a sweet... You know, RUF, this is a medium, so I'm just going to, the contest I'm going to use is who looks the coldest. So I'm going <laughs> to look throughout the, see who actually looks the coldest. It's probably going to be a dude who's like, I don't need a jacket, I'm fine. <laughs> um, I, Addy, you look really cold. Do you want this? Okay, here you go. <laughs> oh, wow, sorry, too far. Too far, I'm sorry. <laughs> and this is just, this is just a normal beach towel. But it's actually pretty warm. So I'm seeing somebody over here who could probably use that. Oh, sorry, right in the face. Right in the face. Pass that one back right there. Um, yeah, also, uh, like uh, Jack said, if it's your first week, um, we will be in warmer climbs. I thought that we could make it for like this one last week and it wouldn't be too cold, but it is too cold. It's too cold. I don't know. It's too cold, but you're here, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> I also, quick introduction, quick introduction to make. So uh, the woman who birthed me uh, is here, my mom, Janie Weatherford, uh, not, a, not a lover of the spotlight, um, but so she brought me into the world and she also prayed me into the kingdom of God. So round of applause for Janie Weatherford. Also my wife, Mary, my kids, Judah and Juniper and James are all here. So they may have to roll fairly soon, depending on how things go, but... <clears throat> oh, also, Anna's not here, if you know Anna, the intern. Uh, the fact that she's not here, and she is awesome, and that RUF happens is testament to the reality that, like, I don't know what you think I do. Really, all I do is, like, meet with y'all and try to help you follow Jesus and preach. There's, like, other little bit of stuff, but the people who lead RUF on this campus are the servant team, which is students, like you, sophomores, juniors, seniors, who, like, love y'all, love this campus, and want to serve this campus, and they put this on. Um, and so that's cool. If you want to be on the servant team, would love that. Applications open in the spring. Is that what happens? No. Yeah, I'm new here, so I don't know. Um, yeah, so uh, let us know. Just talk to me, talk to Anna, and um, we can start talking. So uh, I got a story for us, story for us. So there's this couple in um, the United Kingdom who was renovating their... Um, their kitchen in 2011. And they, they pull up the floor and they realize like the concrete beneath it in their kitchen is actually really uneven and cracked. They're like, we gotta get up this concrete too, guys. Um, so they get the, rent the jackhammer, start jackhammering up concrete. And then 
through a crack in the concrete, they see the glimmer of gold. And they're like, huh? And so they get out their their crowbar or whatever it is and like pull it out and they find this jar, ancient jar, full of old gold coins. And they, this is the crazy thing, they held on to it for like eight years. Uh, and they sold it, sold it at auction multiple rounds. Their identity is secret, so they did it smartly. No one knows who they are. But they sold it over like three years. They just sold the last of the batch. $1.3 million gold coins hiding beneath their kitchen. Tonight, we're going to talk about the currency of the kingdom, the treasure of the kingdoms, if you want to think about it that way. We're talking about two different kingdoms this fall in RUF. The kingdom, the secular kingdom that we live in, the air we breathe here at WNL, and the kingdom of God that Jesus came to proclaim. And he proclaims in the Gospel of Luke, which is every passage that we read this fall. And these kingdoms have different currencies. When I say currency, I just mean the way that you get what you most value. How do you get what you most value? And there's different ones in the two kingdoms. How have you obtained the things that have added value in your life, like already? The most valuable things that you have, how did you get them? How will you get other things of value that you want in the future? Like, what's your game plan? Those are your currencies. So, um, I went to Nepal right after high school. So, Nepal is right between China and India. It's where Mount Everest is. I went there right after high school. Lived there for two years. Get off the plane. I'm psyched. Like, I'm here in Nepal. Awesome. And, uh, lo and behold, go to the shop to buy whatever I wanted to buy. Pull out my dollars. They're not taking the dollars over there. Don't accept dollars because they only use... Rupia, rupees. And just like any of you who travel to a foreign country, you, a lot of times you have to exchange money. Didn't matter how much money I had when I went, which was, for the record, not very much. I was a college student. But even if I had like $10,000, it wouldn't have mattered. They wouldn't have taken it at all. It would have been a worthless, different currency. What if the currency you're using isn't accepted in the kingdom of God? What if it's just worthless in the kingdom of God? What if God has something immeasurably value that's out there waiting for you? You haven't even taken a hold of it yet. This is what Jesus is talking about in the passage that, that absurdly long passage that Luke read. So thanks, Luke. Um, this is what Jesus is talking about. So we're going to dive into it in a second. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for bringing us here. Keep us warm. Keep our blood flowing. Keep frostbite at bay. Most of all, Jesus, we ask that you would... Remind us of your goodness. Show us your love for us and change our lives tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So where we're going to go tonight is first we're going to look at the currency of deserving that is used in the secular kingdom. The currency of deserving. And how it produces two different kinds of people. Rebels and resenters. Those who rebel and those who resent. And then we're going to look at the currency of the kingdom of God. The currency of grace. And how it moves us to repent. So two currencies, grace, deserving, three kinds of people, rebels, resenters, and repenters. Here we go. So main point one, the kingdom of rebels and resenters. And all of us fit into these two categories. The first kind of person is a rebel. So is this you? We're going to kind of read the passage and look through like, is this you? Is this me? Think about that. And Jesus said, so the whole thing, by the way, is like a story Jesus tells. It's a story like May have actually happened. Maybe it's just been a story. We don't know. But he tells the story. He says, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them, this is the rebel, said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. So first thing about rebels, 
They want the benefits of a relationship without the relationship. Because what he's saying here is, hey, dad, you know how you let me live in your house and like eat your food and like enjoy the good reputation that you have in the community? And, you know, you spend your money on me and give me gifts and stuff. I would like all of that, but without you, dad. We know that because the next thing he does is he leaves. As soon as his dad gives him half of his share, he leaves. Not many days later, the son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property and reckless living. And when he spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. Rebels tend towards self-sufficiency isolation, and independence. So if you're hearing this and you're like, yeah, that kind of sounds like me. I am that way. Maybe you're a rebel. I don't know. Um, Next thing, rebels hire themselves out to poor masters. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. Only job he could get, feeding pigs. I might have had a job worse than that at one point. Ask me about that one. I had to like, no, later. Ask me about my job that might have been worse than that. Uh, And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. Rebels hire themselves out to poor masters because, like, they constantly are in need. They're constantly searching for something else. And so poor masters, what does that look like in our day and age? Um, We tend, rebels, we tend towards addictive tendencies to being mastered by things that treat us poorly. Uh, People-pleasing, work, performance, beauty. Substance abuse, sex, pornography. These things are poor masters that we go to to give us something and they do not treat us well. They don't treat us kindly. So the core reality of resenters is that we want good things, you know, which is natural. That's nothing bad about that. We want good things, but we want it without relationships. We would rather have it in a way that we can control on our own. And so we're deeply drawn to people because that's part of being human. We want to be loved and known. And yet we hate being vulnerable to them or having to depend on them for things. We want the generosity of a good father without the father. We want the blessings of the kingdom of God without the king. So if you see yourself in these descriptions, if you're like, yeah, that kind of sounds like me. And maybe you don't like what that says about you. uh, Jesus is diagnosing something about you. And if you don't like it, it makes you uncomfortable, that's okay. Because Jesus didn't come to be your friend, to be liked by you. He came to love you into life. He came to heal you. And sometimes that hurts. Healing can hurt. So let's look at the other kind of person. The other kind of person, the resenter, okay? So uh, this is kind of at the end of the story, so we're going to skip over the middle part. Got down to the end. Um, verse 25, the resenters. And how do you know if you're one of them? Resenters are really hard workers, is the first thing. Now, his older son was in the field. So through this whole episode, the younger son's been off, squandering his father's wealth, buying prostitutes. Who knows what he's doing? The older son is just working in the field, faithfully. Resenters are hard workers. If you work hard at school, if, if you're a Christian, you like work hard at reading the Bible. Um, if you work hard at athletics, like everything in your life, you're like, yeah, I'm a hard worker. You may be a resenter. Resenters, uh, they resent, surprise, surprise. Resenters resent it when rebels, when like people that aren't as good as them, get what they feel like they don't deserve. But it says, he was angry and refused to go into the party for his younger brother. If it kills you when you do the most work in a group project, like you know you did the best work, and then the group gets the grade, 
and you're like, the other person that did like nothing gets the same grade as you, you're like, oh, I hate that. You're resenting that. Like you may be a resenter. And I, I understand, like I get that. That's natural. That's normal. That's the way we are. Uh, resenters feel like they deserve because of their hard work, right? So he's, he, he, his dad goes to him and he says to his dad, he's look, these many years I have served you. I never disobeyed your command. I was a good son, you know? Yet you never gave me even a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. I, probably young goats aren't like the currency of fatherly love that we have in our in realizing, but like, he said he just wants to be able to have a party with his friends, you know? And he feels like he never had that from his dad. So secretly, actually, this is interesting, the rebel and the resenter, they want the same thing. They both want to party. They both want to be celebrated. It's just they go about it through two different ways. The rebel is like, I want to just have the good stuff. I don't want to feel like, like maybe he feels like he already has earned it just by being him. He doesn't want to have to work for it. Whereas the resenter, he doesn't feel like he's earned it already, but he knows that he can be good enough to earn it. And he wants to do it that way because that feels right to him. So resenters usually make really good grades, usually dress pretty well, usually feel like they've earned most of the opportunities they've been given. Resenters might party just as hard as the rebels, but they do it after working their tails off to feel like they've earned it, right? Uh, when we're kids, if we have, like, decent parents and we're decently well-adjusted, um, when someone throws us a birthday party, like it's your eighth birthday party or your 12th birthday party, whatever, like, we love birthday parties as kids. My, my kids love birthday parties. It's, like, favorite day of the year, better than Christmas almost. I'll have to pull them later and see if they actually believe that. But, like, it's on par with Christmas. And it's just so good to be celebrated and loved but as we get older, some of y'all are probably in this place, and sometimes I'm here too, where like being celebrated actually becomes a little bit hard. You know, you're like, man, I'm not sure if I've like earned this, like they're singing to me, oh, that's kind of weird, like maybe like no gifts needed. I'd rather just kind of like lie low because we become uncomfortable with receiving good things that we feel like we haven't earned or done something for. You know, all you did for a birthday is just be born. You didn't really do that on your own, you know? So if that's you and birthday parties can be awkward for you, like you may be a resenter. Um, the problem is at our core, whether you're a resenter or a repenter, and you might be both, sorry, a resenter and a rebel, you might be both, is that we're using this currency of deserving. And that's a problem. Uh, the problem is like you can make it pretty far in this world by deserving stuff. But you can't make it into the kingdom of God. <laughs> it counts for nothing in the kingdom of God. Uh, you can't deserve your way in because God uses a different currency. It's the currency of grace. Grace, maybe define it. It's just good stuff God gives you because you, even though you don't deserve it. Good stuff God gives you that you don't deserve. Why does he give it? Because Jesus earned it for you. Because he loves you. So grace, good things from God that we don't deserve. Philip Yancey's definition of grace, he wrote a book. Uh, I think it's called What's So Amazing About Grace. It's a great book. Philip Yancey, his definition, we're all bastards, but Jesus loves us anyway. Some new guys came right now and I just cursed right when you showed up. So like, cool, you know. The definition of grace, we're all bastards, but Jesus loves us anyway. This is true. Of, like I said every week, I'm not a good person, but Jesus loves me. So if this feels weird to you, like, I don't really want to call myself, like, that word, I, you know, I'd like to be a little good, you're at odds with the kingdom of God, which is a kingdom of grace. So we're going to reconnect with the story. 
and see what grace looks like. So like right in the middle of the story in your handout, if you want to follow along, verse 18. I will arise. This is the younger son, the rebel. And he's like been trying to eat this pig food. Things are not going well for him. He's realizing I have made a terrible mistake with my life. He says, oh, I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. He's saying, I'd rather be a servant in your house than like have all of your wealth and be on my own. That's a major switch. So he rose and came to his father. Have you ever had to call your dad for help? Like I've got several times in my life when I've been like, hey, dad, uh, need some help over here. I hope that your father has responded like this father in this story. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him and he felt compassion. First thing he felt when he sees his son, felt compassion. This son who's kind of like insulted him in front of all of his friends, the rest of the family, feels, first of all, compassion. And he ran to him and embraced him and he kissed him. We have to stop here and note this cultural difference. First of all, kissing is like normal for like father and son there, if it's not normal for you. But also, how many of y'all have seen your dads run? Just like, raise your hand if you've seen your dad run ever. Like probably at some point, a little kid, like your dad's chasing you or whatever, you've seen your dad run, right? So that's good. Um, my son, James, uh, he's over there in the thing. He might be sleeping, I don't know. My son, James, he loves, like I can tell, I'm in the backyard and he loves, if he sees me, like I come home from work or something, he sees me and he, lo- he like starts running for me and like starts smiling. He holds his mouth wide open and runs. He's like, and then he like does this. And this means like run and pick me up and throw me in the air, you know? And I think that in all of our hearts, actually, we have this longing, not just as kids, but that our father would run to us and that the relationship we have with our father or if not him, at least our heavenly father would be so safe and so loving that it would just be a joyful thing for him to run to us. No fear of shame or disappointment. Just run with joy. Especially when we don't deserve it, right? And this son does not deserve it. This father in this story runs. And the son says to him, remember he's got this speech prepared, right? Father, I have sinned against heaven before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son But the father said to his servants, don't miss this. Uh, He had this whole speech prepared. The next thing he was going to say was, hey, dad, like, I don't have to be your son. Just treat me like one of your servants. Doesn't get to say that because his dad interrupts him. He's like, okay, enough with your speech. He says to his servants, quickly bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. Let's throw a party. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. This is how God treats rebels. Okay, if I was describing that earlier and you are like, that kind of sounds like me. I'm a rebel. This is how God treats you and me. God runs to us. He has compassion on us. He hugs us, says, bring the best robe, the best ring on his hand, shoes on his feet. Basically, the best things that he has, he's like, bring it all out. Open up like the secret cupboard, the safe with the whatever. Put it on this guy because I love this son. I pray some of you have been celebrated like this by your own parents, like just a giant blowout party for like you're 16, they're going off to college, I don't know, like all your friends, maybe a trip, where it's just like about you and celebrating you. I hope that's happened in your life. But if it hasn't, I want you to know this is how God treats his children. Zephaniah 3.17 says this, the Lord your God is in your midst, 
a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. God has composed songs of joy over you. But what about the people who think they're good? Okay, what if you're not the rebel, you're more the resenter? What about those people? How does the Father treat them? Because the Father represents God in this story, right? So look what happens to him. Grace. His father comes out. So the older son is like sulking. He's like, what's going on in the house? Why is there a big party? And the servants are like, oh, it's your brother. He's like, dang it. Like, ugh. Dad comes out because he notices. He notices. He loves the older brother. He knows he's not in the party. He wants him. He goes out to him. And he entreated him. He didn't rebuke him. He wasn't like, what's your problem, dude? It's your brother. Get in here. Quit being an idiot. You know, he doesn't do it. He entreats him. To entreat is like to lovingly try to persuade with gentleness. And he says to him, son, like you are always with me. And all that is mine is already yours. Remember back at the beginning of the story, he divided his inheritance between the two of them. He didn't give the younger son what belonged to the older son. He didn't give the rebel what belonged to the resenter. He, it was already his. It was reserved for him. Subtext, you're going to get the same inheritance. Like, it's already yours. You don't have to worry. Finally, he calls the resentful brother into the house, into the party, into the kingdom of grace. He's like, live your life differently. Here's what he says. It was fitting. He's like, older brother, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead. Like, they had actually given him up for dead. He's like, we thought he was dead, but he's alive. He's found. He says, in my house, in my kingdom, when dead people come alive, when rebels come back, it's a party. Like, it's not a sad thing. It's not like a disappointing thing, like, oh, that son we hate is back again. No, it's a party. And God accepts rebels and resenters back into his kingdom. His kingdom is a place. Listen to this, guys. Okay, I know you're cold, but like, perk up your ears because this is where it, it all comes together. His kingdom is a place where we deserve nothing but are given everything. You know how much of God's generous love, how much of his grace you can get by earning it? None. Not even a little bit. Not an ounce or teaspoon. Zero. God accepts nothing in trade for his goodness. You know why? Because you don't have anything valuable enough to buy it. (laughs) None of your accomplishments or achievements or working hard is going to like take the needle on what God has, which is so valuable. So stop trying. Just please think about your life. What you most need, what you desperately need in your life on a cosmic scale is not anything that you can earn on your own. And you can earn a lot. Like I, I know that you can earn a lot. You can earn a great career. You can work really hard, good grades, you know, wealth, security, happiness in some ways. But those things, Jesus comes to say, in the kingdom of God, worthless. They're not going to get you anything there. God has something much more precious and lasting and delightful and beautiful to give you. It's called the kingdom of God, like all of it. It's yours. Life with him. Confidence in your status before almighty God, before all eternity. What does that do to your mind? Like your brain chemistry when you know that the God who made you, the king of the universe, says you are beloved. You're good in his sight. A perfect record of righteousness and forgiveness of all your sins, all through the work of Christ. Not your work, through Christ's work. And to accept all of that, you have to repent. Okay? Rebels, 
resenters, both called to repentance. We repent. Here's what that looks like. Verse 17. When he came to himself, this rebel son, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Notice, he's not coming back saying like, Hey, Dad, I know I was an idiot, but I cleaned up my act. He's saying, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. I know I've sinned. Got nothing to offer here. I'm just here. Repenting doesn't mean earning. It means turning. Turning from the treadmill of deserving. That was, what was that? Is that a trombone? Love it. Is that a bass sax? What was that? I don't know. Okay, that, that guy wants you to listen to this part. Okay. Uh, we think that repentance is turning from bad behavior to good behavior. That's what we think, but that's not repentance. Repentance is turning from bad behavior to God, okay? From deserving to being given grace. From bad behavior to God, okay? So there is a turn away from bad behavior, but it's not about like, okay, now I got to try to be really, really good to like wipe all that stuff out or counterbalance it. It's turning from earning stuff to a relationship with your father who loves you. So our closing prayer tonight is a prayer that I want all of y'all to pray with me. Whether you've been following Jesus for like, decade or a few years or if tonight you're like actually i know i'm not following jesus i know i'm either a rebel or a resenter i'm not ready to repent yet i want you to listen to this prayer guys because this is all it takes for you to turn to god is one prayer his arms are open his ears are open for you so let's pray father god man we're we're sitting standing here and For some of us, maybe for the first time, I pray for every single person here tonight. We're realizing, maybe in a new way, we don't have anything that impresses you. We don't have anything that can earn for us anything like the good things that you have for us in the kingdom of God. And so we just ask Jesus that you would give us something we can never earn, that you would turn us from this treadmill of earning stuff and deserving stuff to receiving through the work of Christ for us eternity, glory, life with you. We ask that you do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, um, one announcement before. They just type in the, they show up like magic. It's cool. These guys, love these guys. Uh, uh, remember, next week, indoors, don't show up here. If you do, there'll be no fire, very, very cold. Library. Okay, I'll get out of there again. Do you need this? I stole this one. Oh, okay. Is that good?